Welcome to Five Stride Weekly, everybody. Six points and two clean sheets this week? Things look to be on a roll, but can we finally get a regular season win against New York Red Bulls? We're gonna get into all that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Stride Fam. I'm AJ, this is Mark. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. You can now also find all our content on the Genico USA platform anywhere in the world on Amazon Fire TV, Roku, iOS, Google Play, and many other streaming platforms. Atlanta United have set another record with five consecutive clean sheet wins. And we've got two match reviews in this episode, but let's first get to the Orlando City match review. And doesn't it feel so sweet to get that W against them, especially after they talk so much trash against us all the time. Man, they just don't learn. I mean, like last season, they went on a six-game winning streak, and then how did that? Who ended it? Yep. And uh, how did the rest of the season? Yeah, go? exactly. It went a shambles, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they pretty much uh, their their season broke down. Yeah. I believe they uh, they finished last. It was uh, yeah, they it was set close a, enough. Close enough. They set a record for goals conceded, and uh, yeah, have the gall to uh, to come attack us on social media. It's just uh, you know, it's not wise. No, no, not very wise <laughs> indeed. But uh, yeah, but essentially, it was that one 0 win at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Sunday, and uh, yeah, you know, it. You saw PT Martinez finally get on the score sheet. And uh, wasn't it so good to see? I mean, it's uh, you know he hits it first time from mm -hmm. a layoff from Tito Vijalba, yeah. and then hits it top bins right corner, sexy goal. Yeah, I mean, just uh, they went direct. You know, yeah. uh, LGB goes over the top, and you know at that point it's just it's football. You know, Tito and PD combining on the break, and uh, yeah, it, it looks like they've been playing forever. But that's that's uh, the value of you know consistently playing them together, them uh -huh. getting used to one another, and. Yeah, and you know, a, a simple layoff, but it's really knowing where each other are and uh, to deadly effect because no one could guard him um, or, you know, mark him. And so, you know, you have a PT uh, pretty much, yeah, able to one touch it and then, you know, just smack it, especially where that is. He made it look easy. He really did. I mean, like, when the ball came to him, I almost half expected him to go over, just because that's what you normally He's see. He's been doing. Him. He's been doing that. Well, and that's—I yeah. think a lot of players in that situation. We see, like, for example, like Russell try yeah. his shots, and they usually go over. So I mean, but no, I mean, they had the power, it had the placement. It was yeah. beautiful. Unstoppable. Yeah, it's yeah. so beautiful that it was uh, one yeah, another it was, word. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> one another word, uh, which yeah, you know, you, if you were watching this, you probably already heard about it, but you know, in the sake of uh, you know the tease we're gonna continue to tease it it was nominated <laughs> but uh yeah and so you know with this match we won our fourth match in a row with a fourth consecutive clean sheet uh definitely a massive positive on that also a mother's day win so all the positives for all the mamas out there and the baby's mamas and Baby's mama's mama's. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and so, um, you know, seeing, uh, you know, PT in his celebration, though, like, yeah. very interesting. He kind of did a whole wipe down of himself, yeah. uh, kind of a South American thing, I think, yeah. uh, to kind of absolve himself of the, uh, just the, the bad juju. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Maybe bad luck that has been kind of following him around uh, mm -hmm. the beginning of the season. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, whatever whatever helps him, whatever helps him really. I mean, I think it's, you know, it was always going to be a settlement period and I think now that his uh, his wife is yeah his wife and his uh, his kid are in town yeah and, uh, you know all of that helps all of that is definitely. so important I mean at the end of the day he's a person you know mm -hmm. I mean he has a life off the field and I'm sure hopefully I hope he's getting acclimated you know I hope he enjoys his time in Atlanta because and that's certainly going to help him as a player on the field right for sure for sure and uh, so also Tito Bijalba looked really really good in this match uh, he was yeah. making a lot of things happen uh, pretty yeah. much creating. All of our chances uh, to a degree uh, whether they were finished or not is a whole different thing because that's kind of the negatives of uh what's been happening lately but yeah um yeah i mean you know tito Vijalba with his pace mm. with his work rate uh you know just coming up up and down on the uh, the flanks and it's just uh he's unstoppable when he gets a full head of steam on him it's Really enjoy. I mean, for me, he was the man of the match in the uh, in the Orlando match, and uh, yeah, it's just one of those things where he he gets the ball and he decides to go a goal, and nobody can stop him. Yeah. You know, it's just and it is what it is. I mean, and, and I think having a player like that uh, can help this system. You know, oh, yeah. who's so direct, someone who's willing to take players on uh -huh. and create. We've seen Tito can also create. He's not just bangers. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he can pretty much. It's uh, you know, there's just nobody really in the league that can up with him um, I mean maybe later on when he's like completely exhausted himself then yes there is the uh, he'll probably get tackled a lot easier uh, I think you 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 know kind of see in the Vancouver match yes he uh, you know he definitely is not as clinical as you would like but you have the aspect of uh, what's gonna stop him probably is more himself <laughs> yeah. versus yeah. somebody really going to stop him yeah. so it's you know, it's uh, still though, Tito Vijalba just so crucial in this match, uh, as he always is against an Orlando City. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we also saw, yeah, Miles Robinson just being an absolute unit mm -hmm. on defense. Uh, at one point, uh, Orlando City had a counter, and he was the one man wall to just stop, uh, you know, their playmaker from even just getting past midfield. Yeah, like just incredible, it's, incredible form from Miles Robinson. It's like watching Thanos. He's just like, nope. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, yeah. Or it's uh, yeah, uh, Gandor, Gandalf, Gandalf, <laughs> Gandalf from uh, Lord of the Rings. Like, you shall not pass. Yeah. And he really, yeah, he's not letting you by at all. And yeah, but um, but you know, it is to say though that. Uh, Orlando City did have some of the better chances in this match, uh, and arguably because they didn't have Luis Nani in uh, their team, and really he didn't even travel. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean he probably is their most dangerous player, and him not being in there was probably a massive miss. Yeah, yeah. I mean like he's because uh, he's already scored a few goals for them, mm -hmm. and uh, I mean I would say they had the absolute best chance of the entire match, which was Dom Dwyer. <laughs> Hitting it right at Brad. Yes, I don't like. He has an open net, right? And yeah. he hits it the only place that Luzan can save it. Exactly. Oh gosh, I'm so sorry, Orlando City supporters, that you have to watch Dom Dwyer on a weekly basis. Ooh. I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I, I get it from uh, maybe Dwyer's standpoint, yeah. where you know it's uh, you see an open net and then you see uh, Guzan pop up then you know it's the only thing that you fixate on maybe and you hit it right at that target maybe. and so it's uh i think it's you know when players don't finish very well it's a lack of confidence yeah uh if he 
uh, was in confidence uh, with uh, you know hitting it with conviction, he probably would have ran onto it and just tapped it in. But he slid instead. He slid in, yeah. And that's the difference. You know, I've said this on a previous pod. Uh, it's like when you're running to first in baseball. Uh, if you slide like at all, uh, slide head first or slide with your feet, uh, it's gonna slow you down yeah. versus actually getting through the bag quicker. And yeah. so. Same, I think, concept applies here. He probably would have gotten to the ball quicker, hit it cleaner, if he had actually, uh, you know, just actually run through it. But, uh, you know, they, they sliced this open a couple times, and they that's did. really what was pretty worrying still. Yeah. Um, I think they, they also chose points to press, and I think that, yeah. that maybe caught Atlanta off guard. I mean, they, yeah. they pressed actually in the opening minute, and they did. actually got a shot, uh, like, mm. within the opening minute. Right. Uh, so, and I think that's part of the reason why LGP went over the top, is because they said, well, look, if they're going to press, well then... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and sometimes you do need to go over the top, and yeah, it's what's been effective uh, versus the New York Red Bulls, and so, you know, against a team that isn't as good at pressing, and then also uh, maybe a little bit more susceptible at the back, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how you can get a Tito and a PT, uh, you know, really into their box and uh, into the danger areas a lot easier than, say, a New York Red Bulls. But um, also, I mean, yeah, you know, not to take all credit away from Brad Guzan, he did have uh, a couple of really, really crucial stops other than that uh, Dwyer stop. But I think also uh, he had some mistakes that were kind of the errors in, you know, creating their chances as well. Yeah. Right? Passing it out and distributing it from the back was kind of an issue. Uh, I mean, it always seems like he has one or two a game, honestly. I mean, like, even against uh, Toronto, was it, where he had that really, mm-hmm. really dicey giveaway that almost... Yes. You know what I mean? Like, there's, it's just it's just one of those things. It's not his strength. It really isn't. Yeah. Know? But he yeah. has to do it for the team. Exactly. He's not a, an Ederson type of player. He's not a, a Burnt Leno type of player where, you know, he's brought in to be a ball-playing goalkeeper, mm-hmm. a sweeper-keeper, if you will, and, you know, like, or, you know, to the the biggest degree, um, you know, the the German goalkeeper that uh, is arguably, you know, the best one. But uh, you know, you know, no, no one, uh, no one's rating him right now, which is that's a whole different. That's a yeah, that's a Europe European. Yeah. So never mind. But uh, but anyway, uh, everyone's you know still rating De- David de Gea. But uh, all right, all right. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So, uh, you know, also though, uh, yeah, Atlanta were still very fluid going forward. Um, You know, great to see that, but, uh, you know, really the lack of finishing is still a problem and I think it's still a pattern. And um, yeah, I mean, yes, Orlando City play us a lot closer than, uh, you know, than most other teams usually do. And so that kind of is a factor. Um, And yeah, I mean, uh, to a degree, and then Atlanta, you know, they you can see the tired legs. Yeah, yeah, was, you know, it, it, there was a certain point where the chances, you know, they stopped coming. Yeah, and it was a matter of just holding on. You know, there mm-hmm. were a couple uh, tackles in there, like one from Escobar that mm-hmm. was, whew, nice edge. But I mean, it was yeah. perfect. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you know, it's uh, it's tough. Yeah, and um, I think. You know, some of the other things were that, uh, you know, it's great to see a Justin Miram get his debut, especially against the Orlando City side. We were hoping for, uh, you know, maybe a little earlier he could, you know, get involved more, uh, try to get a goal against them. Um, you know, it'd be really interesting to see what that celebration would have been. But uh, it would have been, 
you know. Right. But, uh, yeah. but you know, he worked his way into the side quick. He just joined the team and to yeah. make your first appearance within a few days mm -hmm. of being with the team. Right. Yeah, Frank DeBoer had talked about that where, uh, you know, bringing in a, a guy like Justin Miriam, he is a guy that uh, is familiar with a uh, possession system uh, especially with Greg Berhalter at Columbus Crew, uh, at Orlando City, not so much because they didn't really do that. Uh, and then back to a Columbus Crew where a Caleb Porter is coaching, also not so much of a possession game. And sure. so uh, it's a little bit different. And so he gets back into something he's more familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, and when he came on, I, look, I felt like he looked lively. Mm -hmm. um, he was trying to make something happen. So, uh, you know, in this match, he definitely was uh, someone that I saw yeah, some spark out of, which was great coming off the bench. Um, but I think, you know, one of the, the biggest talking points was also the fans booing Breck Shea, which is always interesting. And, uh, you know, he's much maligned, like sure. uh, like we all know. And uh, there's a subset of fans that, uh, you know, on every touch or like even when, um, you know, he comes in, they think, yeah, it's like, you know, every single thing that he does is wrong. And I, I think, yeah, it's a stigma that we probably need to get out of our heads yeah. because I think while he's playing for our team, just back the guy because you want him to do well that's you know and yes uh i think you know later on we would see uh we'll tease it again um yeah. you know he had a much better performance when he gets rest and so even him coming on uh later on as a pretty much left midfielder yeah. really uh in this uh orlando city match yeah he you know uh wasn't really doing a ton uh but it wasn't you know it was more of a seeing out the match i think at that point um, you know, I think he was used as a uh, kind of more of a target man on the left <laughs> because Guzan yeah. was uh, sending the ball to him so that he could try to win it and then we could try to keep it in their half, just kind of see out the game. Yeah. And you know, and just to go back to the boy, I mean, I just, yeah. I just really don't think there's any benefit for it. You know, at the end of the yeah. day, like, we want him to come on and be confident. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and it's one thing where... And I, I, I can't even really go condone going after a player if he messes up. Like going after a player specifically, mm -hmm. or like, you know, if it if it mm -hmm. uh, trails into social media or anything like that. Yeah. You know, that's really not good. Yeah, but especially it's just like a line. Yeah. before he even kicks a ball though to you yeah. know give him stick. I just I don't see what that gets you. You know, I understand. Maybe uh, he's not always great yeah. to watch, but right. he's not been consistent, and that's yeah. that's for sure. Uh, you but know. there are factors. I mean, like at the end of the day, he was never meant to play as much as he, he exactly. has. He was he, never meant to be our out and out left back, especially in a back four. Like, exactly. You know, we've been ravaged by injuries on the left back position, and so yeah. uh, to expect more than you really do, it's like, yeah, it is what it is when he comes in, uh, and I think you know. Uh, him being maligned, yeah, there is a little bit of, um, to a point where, excuse me, and uh, to a point where he actually might, uh, you know, prove you a little bit wrong even. So I, I think, uh, you know, mm -hmm. we'll, we'll tease that enough there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, also VAR still rearing its ugly head yeah. at home. Um, you know, you just get that all the time, I think. It's, uh, you know, we, we get a goal called back. Um, and it's just, it's... It's kind of annoying, but uh, you know, it's 
almost par for the course. It's a, yeah, it, I can't even be mad because the way it came about was, uh, you know, they let the play go mm -hmm. and then what you're supposed to do. And, right. and, and actually on the field, it was called onside. Yeah. Um, there is a definitive camera angle. Well, I would say fairly definitive. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I would argue the definitive, but uh, because it's, you know, is it head on? Is it, you know, and so that's where it's difficult to see. But um, I do think, though, like, it's the fact that we are, cons I guess you could say, consistently seeing reviews at Mercedes Benz. It's, yeah. there are factors as to why that is. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe the speed of play, maybe, you know, the angles mm -hmm. in the, within the stadium, you yeah. know, so. It is what it is, man. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Julie Gressel, uh, you know, went to social media to <laughs> contest if uh, it was actually clear and obvious. And so, I mean, it's very interesting. I mean, you know, hopefully, it doesn't get any, um, you know, maybe kickback or not kickback, but uh, you know, from the league, from the league yeah. where they, you know, uh, come down on him. But uh, you know, I mean, he, he might be towing that territory by saying anything. Uh, I'll donate but. to your fine, Julian. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll start at GoFundMe because we know he's uh, criminally unpaid, probably, but... He actually you know, is, yeah. Yeah, but it is what it is. Yeah, he he uh, just came out with his merch, WrestleMania merch, uh, I think today. We were filming this on a Thursday. Uh -huh. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, you know, he's trying to... He does the cameo things on uh, social media. Like, man is trying to get his. And, uh, you know, I don't blame him. Can't, you can't, you can't. Yeah, can't knock the hustle there, man, yeah, for cream, real. Cream, cream. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. And so, uh, let's get into the post-match quotes a little bit and uh, some of the interesting stuff that was said. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Frank DeBoer really talked about, uh, you know, just P.T. Martinez really coming into uh, this match and, like, where it looked like he was pretty close to scoring last match before mm -hmm. that. Uh, he's been pretty close uh, for a while, and to finally see him hit the back of the net, uh, Frank DeBoer was happy to, uh, to see that. Uh, he said, it was a fantastic strike, and it gives him a boost, that's for sure. I'm very happy for him, but it's also very important. But it's also important for the team because he is a player that has to get assists or make goals. Now, also, uh, he, he went on to praise Jose Martinez in this match, which, yes, I mean, he's uh, Jose Martinez has been kind of that false nine, been that playmaker, mm -hmm. uh, striker that uh, has been kind of, uh, you know, you saw hints of in previous seasons, but now he's actually able to uh, show all the uh, the talent that he has, uh, and not only his work rate uh, coming back and his defensive work, mm -hmm. but, you know, the passing ability, passing. the dri dribbling ability that he has uh, to be able to link up and, uh, you know, hold up the ball. It's, yeah, it's been a joy to see yep. that. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, Frank Dubor kind of uh, kind of likened uh, watching Joseph Martinez to music. <laughs> yeah. So this was really interesting. Uh, yeah, he said, I always say, if you see him, this is what I want to see. It's like music, small parts, and then suddenly he accelerates and you feel the danger. Everybody feels in the crowd, or me, myself, will see that something is happening. And uh, yeah, there's kind of, a, I think, a, uh, an anecdote saying that he... Uh, also, apparently, is really into music, and uh, and so you know, kind of seeing this, like you can get it, like you know, it's like the kind of crescendos and de uh, yeah. decrescendos and cadences in music that it's kind of like this. It's like uh, you know, Joseph Martinez when he plays, it's you know, he'll drift offside for a really long time, yeah, 
and then come back in, curl his run, and then make a perfect run, uh, you know, to get in the box, you know, and get a one on one. Remember, Joseph came to us as an attacking midfielder. You yeah. know what I mean? He's yeah. not he's not naturally an out and out striker. Mm -hmm. And so I mean I think it just uh, speaks to his adaptability and his just overall skill set as a player. But yeah, I mean like it it shouldn't surprise us that he can do this. You know, he kinda yeah. has earned the reputation of being selfish, but in reality, right. Tata wanted him to score goals. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. you know, when you're leading the league at a pace that was insane. And, a goal a game. Yeah, a goal a game. And the fact that uh, he was just so clinical. And, you know, it's one of those, like, yeah, you had the kind of bouncing between Miggy and Joseph for the penalties for a while. But it just suddenly became mostly Joseph because, yeah, he was chasing a record. Like, whether he wanted to say it or not, he was chasing the record. And yeah, I mean, I, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, uh, I think with a good point, yeah. you know, that's what he was doing. Uh, and so he had to be a little bit more of a, a poacher, a little bit more selfish. And I think this year he's showing his full game. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I think uh, that kind of uh, also gets to PT Martinez, um, you know, where he tends to score against his team's rivals. And uh, it, yeah, it's a, Damn good look, I think, uh, because you know at River Plate he was scoring against Boca Juniors, mm -hmm. and uh, you know especially in a final, no oh, less. Oh yeah, yeah. And yeah, you know, he's just a guy that probably has uh, ice in his veins when it comes to these derby matches. We said rivalry, but we played Orlando City. I know, I know. <laughs> it's, it's a league mandated almost like Yo, rival God, at this I point know. because yeah, it's one of those like. Uh, the debate of what a rival or a derby match really is, uh, is it could be argued for a while, and uh, we won't get into it in this, in this uh, you know, in this pod, but uh, I <laughs> think... Because we only have so much time. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it can be argued that, yes, uh, Orlando, because, yeah, they've got nothing on us, that it's not really a rivalry. Uh, the other aspect is, is, you know, is the kind of tension between the two fan bases, is it heating up? Uh, I think it definitely is to a degree. Sure. Um, and, you know, there's more and more hatred between the two fan bases each time, whether it's organic or not. Debatable. Uh, <laughs> but at the very least, on this show, uh, you know, uh, one of the people that's usually on, Tanner, uh, getting hate mail uh, <laughs> from Orlando fans. Yeah. Whew. You know, that's definitely something that uh, will be I'm still addressed at a later who time. Who paints nuts? Like, who gets nuts well, and paints them purple? The, the people don't know what uh, we're, you're talking about, really. But, uh, yeah, we will discuss that at a future time. <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, more teases, more teases. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so uh, let's get to the Vancouver Whitecaps match where it also was a 1-0 win at BC Place, a grueling road trip that we are on at the moment, uh, you know, going West Coast, East Coast, back to West Coast. Uh, this is just the first part of that West Coast trip. Uh, they had to take a charter, but uh, I think in this match, yeah, you know, uh, you saw some of that rotation that was necessary. Uh, Jonathan Nagby and Michael Parkers did not make the trip. And uh, I think, you know, it worked out for us in the end. I think uh, Frank de Boer, uh, you know, for the most part in this match, had the right tactics mm -hmm. and, um, you know, made the right moves. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you didn't, you didn't see uh, the players that came in miss too much, miss a beat. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, they weren't, you know, 
uh, lighting the whole uh, pitch on fire with uh, their play, some of them, but I think uh, there are some notable things from this match. I mean, sure. it was definitely a little slow uh, to yeah, start, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, so the first probably like 25 minutes uh, or so, uh, you know, they were kind of, you could kind of see maybe the, uh, the fatigue a little bit, um, but... Uh, you saw that Vancouver were kind of playing right into her hands yeah. a little bit as well. They uh, they were pressing a bit, but not with a whole lot of intensity that really was bothering us. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of were trying to play us straight up, and uh, they yeah had a uh, a couple of uh, of moves that were getting them into the area, but. I think overall they weren't really looking too dangerous, and then uh, you know we finally um, we kind of wake up a little bit and <laughs> we get a ball uh, into their danger area. PT Martinez, uh, you know, with his deft touch, is able to win a penalty, mm-hmm. uh, which I mean some may say it's soft, but I think you know if you're in the box, like you shouldn't touch. P.T. Martinez, if he's in front of you and uh, the ball is between, uh, you know, him and you. So, yeah. I mean, so the goal came about uh, Joseph, you know, talking about false nine, Joseph, the creator. He pops yep. up on the left wing. He uh, he cuts to the byline, much like Tito would. Uh-huh. And he played a ball in and uh, that was initially cleared. So Vancouver came out and uh, actually had more of the ball. In this yeah. match, mm-hmm. as we saw, and uh, they they pressed us like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, on this particular sequence, when Vancouver tried to play out, Atlanta counter pressed, and I think yeah. that was something that you saw a lot of in this match. And so, even though Vancouver had more overall possession, I think at times Atlanta looked even more dangerous because they were allowed to win the ball back or go after the ball mm-hmm. in Vancouver's defensive third. That's what happened on this one. Mm-hmm. And the player who lost the ball then tries to go and win it back, which you often see right. in soccer. Like that player loses the ball, mm-hmm. goes after the ball, he he bowls over t- PD. And for me, yeah. it's a penalty. I mean, it wasn't yeah. reviewed. And mm-hmm. the th- my thing is too, because we've seen PD getting calls the last couple matches mm-hmm. that he wasn't necessarily getting before. Mm-hmm. We've seen Barco getting calls this season he wasn't necessarily getting before. I think it's this: if you know, we know how MLS refs tend to like to call games for the most part, let to let fouls go, like yeah. fouls go. Mm-hmm. So the fact that these guys are getting calls means that they're actually probably getting fouled. Yeah, well, and it's also this: uh, Vancouver Whitecaps have uh, conceded seven penalties this wow. season. Yeah. And so they lead the league, obviously. And uh, yeah, I think it played right into the, the, our hands, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, we probably, I would hope, Frank Boer had noticed that before the match and uh, you know, made that a note that you know, if you're in the box, you know, try a few things, try to win a penalty, because mm-hmm. you never know what could happen. And uh, yeah, the penalty was won. Uh, Joseph Martinez steps up. And no hop this time. No hop. Yeah, he uh, he slots it with the plum into the right corner, uh, really with some pace on it. Yeah. And uh, even though uh, the goalkeeper, I think I believe he he guessed right. Yeah, so, couldn't get it. I mean, listen, that's the sign of a confident uh, striker right yeah. there. The fact that you're placing a penalty with that much power. Yeah. And I mean, like it's Joseph. Joseph is so talented. He's been taking penalties since last year, so people mm-hmm. by now kind of have a book on him. And the fact that you yeah, know he you changes s- it up, you still so. don't know. Like Joseph, Joseph is just great. Yeah, exactly. And you know, when he's taking the penalty, it's just like he's looking up into the stands almost. <laughs> like he's just like you don't know where his head's at, but then yeah. you know, you know. 
and, you know, absolutely when the moment is, uh, you know, he, he strikes it just, yeah, beautifully. Unstoppable. Beautifully. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and so, uh, also, it was Frank DeBoer's uh, birthday, and so what a present. He gets the, uh, the three points on his birthday, especially on a... Uh, cross-country trip essentially yeah. into another country even yeah. Um, and yeah so we get that fifth clean sheet in a row sets the MLS record and uh, I think it's not only um, you know it's kind of uh, really interesting that it's only five but yeah. I think it's you know to this degree where uh, I mean you know where no you know the opponent doesn't score for five games uh, against you I mean it is you know, I get it from, you know, maybe uh, a team that's a little more defensive, but for a team like us that is supposedly known for attractive football, yeah, it's, you know, from a team like us. Like, that's... Yeah. Uh, I think that speaks to also what kind of game that Frank de Boer has brought to the Five Stripes now, and it's also on this very good run. Uh, yeah, like, opponents haven't scored since, what was it, like, March? <laughs> Something like that? Yeah, so. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I guess, Dallas. Dallas yeah. are the last opponent to score. I yeah. mean, yeah, it's, uh, I think uh, if you want to take anything away from, take anything away from these five games, mm -hmm. uh, and the improved defensive record, the first place you have to go for me is Miles Robinson. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, uh, he's been fantastic, he's been imperious, he's mm -hmm. a contender for... And MLS All 11, I think, you know, yeah. if, he, if he keeps up this form all season. Mm -hmm. Well, last night, we saw some uh, rotation reshuffle in, in the, the defense. You know, we, mm -hmm. Pogba comes in. Yeah, for uh, Miles Robinson. Yeah. Yeah, looks um, really, really good. Uh, yeah. About, I think, 94% uh, pass completion with some uh, long balls thrown in between as well. So Yeah, wasn't, yeah. he wasn't beaten over the top. Mm -hmm. You know, he uh, he asserted himself in the air, which we would expect from somebody who's 6'3". Exactly. And, yeah, he was uh, bossing some guys off of the ball, uh, seeing them into... Uh, <laughs> You know the byline and uh, out of out of bounds, and so yeah, it's it's great to see uh, a guy come in and not lose a beat at all. Uh, we you know, there's a lot of guys I think that, uh, or a lot of fans that saw this performance and uh, are you know I think rightly so lauding him. Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean you know, but I think the caveat is it's against a Vancouver Whitecaps side that's pretty toothless in attack, mm -hmm. uh, as we saw, and so uh, yes, was he a part of that? I think it's a kind of marriage of both of it so you know he was so stout defensively but it also was a vancouver whitecaps side that uh really don't offer a ton going forward to begin with yeah right um because i mean like and you know the way the boar approached this game it was a bit of an experimental lineup because, yeah you know gressel goes to the bench yep uh justin Mirren comes in yeah. uh with his first yeah like you know, debut starts for uh, Florentine Pogba and Justin Miram. Mm -hmm. uh, you also have Larry coming in for Darlington Nagby. Yeah. And also, uh, yeah, you know, uh, who's the other guy? <laughs> Wait a minute. Uh, uh, Shea came in. And, yeah, Shea yeah, came Parker's in for Parker. Right, yes, exactly. Yeah. And right. so, uh, yeah, you know, you have four changes. That's quite a bit of changes it is. in 11. Um, and so, although, you know, Larry and Shea... Uh, have that experience and have been playing recently, so I think that definitely does help in this. But regard. Shea, I mean, like Shea was literally booed in the previous match, and yeah. then in, uh, against Vancouver, he was one of the team's best players. He was the man of the match, according to Atlanta uh, United Twitter, right? And, uh, in their social media, rather. But right. uh, so. yeah, and you know, and so yeah, he you know not only um, you know created a few chances, but he was very uh, resolute defensively, mm -hmm. and uh, I think had. I think 
10, uh, I think, defensive stops. Um, and yeah, I think I, I mentioned it in the player ratings. He was very, very good at one point where there was a through ball that, you know, it could have been Vancouver was going to be in and he stopped that with both feet uh, in the penalty box and was able to stop uh, you know, one of their attacks um, that might have been one of the more crucial ones for sure. Yeah, but you know, I mean, you know, Vancouver's toothlessness aside, mm -hmm. it's a very good defensive performance from Atlanta. Yeah. You know, I mean, at the, at the end of the first half, they had no shots on target. Mm -hmm. They finished the game with a .33 expected goals, which if you're a nerd like us, this means they didn't do shit. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. And so, yeah, the .33 meaning that, yeah, because they only had really uh, one shot on target, uh, and really, I think one shot the entire match that was, uh, you know, worth of anything of note. Uh, they pretty much were held to uh, really nothing, like no chances, really. Yeah. Um, and this is with a reshuffled defense. This yeah. is with uh, Perez moving to right center back. Yeah. You know, and this, and I think it's a testament to DeBoer. Yeah. And the tactics. And, uh, yeah. To correct ourselves, it's seven shots and two uh, shots on target. Uh, either way, you know, compared Not to much. us, we, we had 17 shots right. and we had eight on target. I mean, uh, you know, it's just, it's that kind of upward trend that we've been in where, uh, yeah, we just, you know, been eschewing a little bit more possession and really, uh, you know, not looking like kind of what Franck de Boer uh, came in with mm -hmm. at all. He's been making the adjustments and uh, I think it's a good thing to see uh, because it's really yielding the results, uh, the performances are getting better uh, since the Colorado Rapids match. And so, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, especially especially with, uh, you know, uh, I think in this side today or last night, you know, PT uh, still running the match mm -hmm. as well. Justin Miriam uh, didn't have as, I think, um, you know, kind of a, as much of a spark as he did against mm -hmm. Orlando City. Um, and but I think to note though, um, not yet uh, to speak on the player again though really quick. Uh, you know in terms of his uh, possess uh, possessive abilities, you know you can see that it's there. I think mm -hmm. his first touch is still a little bit, uh, you know, not quite where it needs to be. And then also the chemistry uh, and the link of play between his teammates, you can see. Yeah, you know, he it hasn't trained work. with him. It yeah. needs work, but it was, uh, even in the second half, and it's like right before he was taken, or maybe not right before, but before yeah. he was taken off, mm -hmm. um, there was one point where he had a one-time cushion pass that led to a counterattack and they right. beat Joseph. Mm -hmm. There's another time where he was on the counter, right. and he like made a hard cut, and the defender just, man, he kept going. He went to the store. Like, right. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so, and yeah, you it's, know, so it's those mm -hmm. moments, and you like to see exactly. that from those attacking players, you mm -hmm. know, trying stuff, not hiding. Exactly, right. And so, yeah, and yeah, he uh, tried to couple shots none of them are on target but still uh you know you see him trying to be uh you know a protagonist yeah and uh but i think defensively he was maybe a, a little bit wanting uh maybe not where he needs to be in a front to bore side but uh i think maybe that's also why he was taken off a little bit as well not only uh with kind of match fitness but also defensively when it's only a one nil and uh you know you're trying to see out a match but uh i think also though i mean uh you know with this you kind of see uh how big of a miss Darlington Nagby is mm -hmm. um you know it's just like Rometty is fantastic at what he does but Darlington Nagby he is not uh he cannot control the match as well mm -hmm. uh but and so I think you know yes we did see a lot of chances but in terms of that connectivity you 
did kind of, I felt like uh, we were missing it between the lines. Yeah, it, it was also, I, I feel like uh, maybe we changed how we would approach this match because of that absence. I mean, yeah. like, mm -hmm. Nagmi didn't even travel. So it kind of feels like almost it was from pretty early on, like a way that they were going to approach this match. Right. And they finished the match with 45% possession. So, exactly. Midfield speaks play, volumes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like because, midfield play was bypassed a little bit. For sure. Right, for sure. Because yeah, it's a, uh, yeah, uh, when you don't have a Barco and a Nagby in the team, you, yeah, it's gonna be a lot harder to possess uh, and yeah. get out of trouble. Yeah. Um, but also, uh, you know, kind of one of the, you know, major aspects of this match that's still rearing its head in a pattern is the lack of finishing mm -hmm. and one of the culprits in this match was Tito Vijalba and his, uh, you know. He gets himself those chances. He gets himself into those areas, but it's that uh, that lack of one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, ice in the veins yeah. that you might need sometimes. He, yeah, the their goalkeeper stood on his head oh, as they always the do. The triple save. Him. What is yeah, that? The triple <laughs> save, which is annoying, and yeah, yeah props to him. Yo, yeah, yeah, no, uh, because he kept them in the match for sure. I think one of those at least should have gone in because uh, yeah, like it bounced uh, when Tito hit it right at the keeper. Uh, Joseph had a chance. I think he uh, laid it off. Mm -hmm. uh, PT had a chance um, and it was a header. He was flying in and that was blocked. It was just the most annoying scene that uh, you know almost always happens against us. <laughs> But, um, but yeah, and so, you know, I think, you know, with uh, the XG stat, the expected goals stat in this, yeah. for us, it was expected goals of two. And so that's what's interesting is that, yeah, I mean, this arguably could have, you know, been a lot uh, more dominant. Uh, it to, to a degree is a dominant performance because we kept them to so few shots and chances. But yeah, I mean, uh, you want to see the, the, the whole product at the end of the day and, you know, maybe a little bit more um, kind of the style of what uh, Atlanta United is known for in the past yeah. uh, for it to be called a truly dominant performance. But I think it's a resolute performance because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, we saw at the end of the match, we were playing into the corners. We were shithousing a lot uh, <laughs> and we had a lot of dark arts in which kind of pissed off the TSN announcers uh, that were calling this match. Uh, to where, you know, an LGP was, uh, you know, he at one point uh, fell down uh, and they were uh, so annoyed. They were just like, uh, you know, like, how is he still on the pitch? He should be embarrassed and yada, yada, yada. He, they were still salty from last year's uh, incident with uh, Kendall Waston and LGP. Um, yeah, they were homers to the biggest degree, but it, I think it's... You know, it's fine to have a homer, but it's also like, yo, you know, kind of, uh, kind of dial it back and at least like call it objectively for <laughs> the moment, right? You're, yeah. you're a paid announcer, like, come on, man. But um, yeah. So I want to go back to to the yeah. uh, the lack of finishing, and yeah. especially in these two matches, and these two matches being in the middle of this uh, schedule congestion. Those extra goals, like if Julian's had counted or if they had scored early yeah. in the second half against Vancouver, it helps a lot. The match condition changes now, yeah. and you can change how you approach the match. It would have helped the manager, I think, right. in this situation a lot as well. Mm -hmm. Maybe like using, if you're at 2-0, 3-0, using yeah. the opportunity to get some guys off, get get a few extra minutes of rest. I mean, any bit helps yeah, in true. this run. So 
fact that they're having to grind out one no wins, you know, okay. Yeah. But I would say that's that, that's the the pitfall. I think yeah. is uh, you know it's often it's called game states, and so with this, it's like when you have. Um, you know, a one nil that you're trying to really uh, shore up and really, uh, we didn't set up shop or anything like that, but it is to a degree, we were having to waste as much time as possible yeah. because that second goal didn't seem like it was coming at all. Yeah, yeah. But, um, but anyway, let's, uh, let's get into the post-match comments. And uh, I think most notably um, is that, you know, you have Brad Guzan talking about the consecutive wins by shutout. Um, and I think, you know, he's very frank. And I think, like, I really appreciate this about uh, Brad Guzan. Uh, you know, he realizes kind of, uh, you know, what the actual lay of the land is. He said, I quote, I think if you look at the last couple matches, the chances that we are giving up, they're not as clear-cut chances as they were the first few games of the season. The first few games of the season, we were spread out. We were exposed. Turning the ball over in bad spots on the field that ultimately in this league you get punished for. They say the best form of defense is the attack, and I think that's probably our strongest attribute. When we have the ball and we protect the ball, we take care of it. We're patient. We find the simple passes. That's when we're at our best. And I think that's when we're able to get at teams. So, yeah, I mean, uh, I think it's, you know, pretty, uh, it speaks for itself here that, yeah, I mean, uh, the fact is, is that the chances are a lot less dangerous than they have been in previous matches. Yeah, absolutely. Especially last night against Vancouver. I mean, yeah. they, they did next to nothing, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and I think also uh, where that possession occurs is important as mm -hmm. well. You know, yes, it's important that Atlanta hold on to the ball and take care of it. And so, like, for example, maybe losing it in uh, in the back line, like we saw a couple times against Orlando and yeah. in previous instances, that's not ideal. But what we saw against Vancouver... You know, like I said before, like the overall possession numbers are one thing, but mm -hmm. it's where the possession is occurring, mm -hmm. how dangerous is it, and I think uh, the Vancouver match was more of a template of what Atlanta wanted to do in terms yeah. of possession and defending with possession. Agreed. And the, yeah, we were using that possession to see out the match as well, which I love seeing because, yeah, you know, we were just passing around uh, their guys that were pressing at that moment, excuse me, and so uh, I think, yeah, at that point, that's when you want to see, you know, okay, uh, you know, there's nothing going forward. Okay, let's pass it back, uh, and then let's circulate it back around. And then, okay, there's a ball over the top that's on now. Let's, you know, let's use that. Um, and that's lovely to see when, yeah, you know, you're not really creating a ton of chances nor finishing them. Yeah, that's when you use the possession for your benefit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that wraps up a bow on both of those matches and gets us into the news where, yes, Ezekiel Barco has made ESPN's list of the 30 best players in the world under 21. Uh, I think that's huge accolades and, you know, global attention. That's awesome to see. Yeah, I mean, like, you saw players like Pulisic on there, like Kylian Mbappe on that list, yeah. you know? So it's uh, it's great for MLS. It's certainly great for Atlanta. I'm sure they uh, wouldn't mind seeing that. Yeah, know? indeed. Yeah, that, that definitely uh, ups the, yeah. uh, you know, the transfer fee, uh, I think, to a degree. Yeah. And uh, especially, I think, yeah, um, you know, any of the uh, Barco naysayers, I think you can see, you know, the, the fact is, is that Barco is lauded uh, across the world, it's just a matter of you know him being able to show his talents and uh, having a showcase for them. But that's that's a confusing thing for me about just sorry going back. To, I, 
we probably need to turn the page on uh, the Barco hate at this point. Yeah. But I just want to say, like, that's, yeah, that's what was confusing to me about it is that sure. he came from Argentina. He's Argentinian. He has this uh, tremendous, uh, what do you call it, profile, if you will. Right. Already, uh, you know, he played in so for one of the biggest, in one of the biggest leagues and one of the biggest competitions. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that he deserved, he always deserved yeah time and the benefit of the doubt and now you're seeing it exactly because yeah it's uh and it's the same thing with pt martinez it's exactly. you know also uh it's one you know in the shadow of another essentially you know you have miggy uh overshadowing an ezekiel barco to that degree where uh you know i think you saw barco defer to a miggy and then right Definitely. now um you know pt's coming into his own because i think an ezekiel Barco's not in the, the team right now where you know basically they're like i've said before they occupy so much of the same spaces on the pitch when they're playing together that uh, it becomes difficult for them to, um, you know, find different spaces because they are, to a degree, kind of similar when they're on the ball. And so I think for both of them, I would like to see a little bit more off the ball and movement that uh, is a little bit more dynamic. But yeah. uh, let's move on. And uh, also Tito Bijalba, Brad Guzan, and Frank DeBoer get into the MLS Team of the Week. Congratulations to them because they, I think, uh, you know, it was off of that Orlando City performance. Yeah. Uh, they all, I think, you know, tactics-wise, Frank DeBoer deserved it. Uh, Brad Guzan with his saves that, uh, yeah. Got us out of trouble. Also, he got us in a little bit of trouble with his But and Tito Vijaba was just so, uh, you know, just creating so many chances and, you know, kind of the main cog. Yeah, um, Yeah, exactly. But also, uh, you know, you have uh, P.T. Martinez's uh, goal. He uh, was nominated and it was against a Christian Roldan uh, of the Seattle Sounders Ooh. again. <laughs> yep. And uh, essentially, yeah, like we did the business again. Yeah. Um, you know, Barco won it last week and PT Martinez wins it this week. Uh, and yeah, you know. I mean, listen, man, Rodan had a sweet goal this yeah. week, last week too, honestly. Yeah. Like, but you know, it's one of those things where people get mad at how much Atlanta gets. <laughs> How much attention Atlanta gets from the league? Yeah, but I mean, this is like, why. like yeah, the exactly. clicks, the mentions. That's exactly. all. Atlanta's got that on lock. Right, and you always see MLS uh, if they are posting a video or if they post something uh, like picture-wise, it you know kind of probably has something to do with Atlanta United or in a video you see a clip or a little glimpse of Atlanta United first. Yeah. And then it gets into the, the meat of it, right? Right. And so that's what's interesting, I think, uh, is, yeah, I think it's, we're, to this degree, we are sort of the, the best optics for this league yes. at the moment as well, uh, whether the other MLS fans want to think so or not. Uh, I mean, I think the proof is in the pudding there. Yeah. And um, Scale matters. Look, it's scale. You know, yeah. it's, it, people, people it's a popularity contest. And, yeah. you know, I think the other people, maybe, yeah, it's like, you know, uh, this poll doesn't matter enough, so we're not gonna like. Basically, this gets us optics, you know, more so, even more so. Uh, I think it's a win-win, you know. Like, it doesn't really take much that much time. And then, you know, when your player wins and you know is seen across uh, at least the nation, and then uh, you know at least when a PT Martinez or a Zeko Barco wins, they are seen in Argentina as. Uh, winning some stuff there, it's just 
you know, it's a good thing all around. So I mean, and most of the players, I yeah. you cannot tell me the players don't pay attention to that. You yeah, can't tell me like Rodon's nice. a little bit salty then. Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure the rest of MLS uh, and their fans also uh, were voting against us, and you guys still couldn't. Get oh man. Oh well. who? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, let's uh, also congratulate Jeff Loretowitz on his 400th appearance in MLS. Uh, that is crazy, crazy, and um, you know it speaks to the testament of uh, just his longevity, his talent. Um, he's only the third outfield player to do so. You know, just you know, congratulations to Jeff Loretowitz and uh, just his massive uh, longevity. I think. Yeah. And moving on, Tio Vijalba has made the preliminary roster for Paraguay. Uh, and their national team, and uh, so congrats to him. Uh, you know he, they're getting ready for the Copa America. Miguel Almiron has also made the preliminary roster, and he's getting back from that injury, of course, uh, that he suffered that kind of kept him out for the uh, kind of last three weeks of the season for Newcastle. And uh, also, Joseph Martinez has also made the preliminary roster for Venezuela. And uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like P.T. Martinez is going to make the Argentinian squad mm -hmm. but uh, for Alba Celeste, but uh, we'll find out in the coming days. It, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, yeah, they're just very, very stacked in attack, so it's... Yeah, you know. I mean, some big, you know, some big players there. I mean, yeah. Tito, yeah. I think, I'm, I'm not really sure where Tito's chances lie in terms of making Paraguay, because I think he yeah. mostly comes off the bench for them. Yeah. I think that he, he seems like he's a player that they could use, though. Absolutely. I, I still think that, uh, you know, for Paraguay, he's a guy that uh, is very useful, and I think, you know, uh, that instant spark off the bench, I think, uh, still... You know, I would love to would see him and uh, Amron combine once again. Just, I know. just for all times. I know, right? Just for the, the nostalgia's sake, for sure. But uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, so also, Andrew Carlson uh, also did not make the U.S. Men's yes. National Team U20s. Uh, yeah, what, what does that kind of mean for him, you think? So, uh, DeBoer had a take on this. Uh, he was asked about Carlton last week, actually soon after the U20 roster was announced and mm -hmm. it was, you know, confirmed that Carlton would not be going. Right. And uh, DeBoer said that he needed to mature a little bit, maybe uh, look at his diet, weight training, kind of everything that goes into a uh, playing career. Right. And um, I was actually, I wasn't that surprised. Uh, I was intrigued at the comments. So take it back to last year, uh, the, at the beginning of the season when Tata says that Carlton's closer to the first team and the second team. Yeah. And we're all excited, you know, it's like our first homegrown, we're putting together this juggernaut of a team, it looks right. like Carlton's gonna be a part of it. Right. But pretty, from pretty early on, we were questioning why wasn't he playing more? Yeah. Remember that drubbing at Houston, mm -hmm. he doesn't come off the bench, you were wondering, okay, right. as the season goes on, he actually does end up spending more time with two than one. Right. Got his looks here and there uh, with the first team where he looked okay. Yeah. Um, and there was a quote later in the season where Tata, I think, kind of talked about he needed to uh, up his game, I think, tactically, or maybe need to understand a little more what he wanted from him. Right. Um, and then there was the MLS Cup. And that's yeah. that's kind of that where, yep. yeah, that's kind of where things take a turn. It seemed from the outside looking in, right? Sure. So he's suspended from the last cup. I don't think he was allowed to take part in the parade either. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty big punishment. I mean, yeah. there's no guarantee that Atlanta ever wins a championship ever no. again. And so the fact that uh, you being the the most notable homegrown player not being able to take a part in it, I have to feel that uh, had an effect on him. Right. And now fast forward. 
DeBoer, so coaches have changed. DeBoer mm-hmm. has not been playing him that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've seen Dion Pereira come in the offseason. Yeah. He's gotten looked. We've seen Justin Miriam just join the team, and he's already got his first start. Right. Uh, Carlton, by the way, was not selected to the squad against... Yeah, against Vancouver Whitecaps. He did travel, and uh, I think that often happens, though. You right. have that extra guy just in case somebody gets injured in training. And so that, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you but, have that extra guy that is there as a contingency, but he might not get selected. And I think he's that that guy that's on the fringes. He's, yeah. you know, he's, I think, exactly. uh, you know, he's shown enough at LNU too, but I mean, not on a consistent basis, I think, but he trains with the first team a lot. And so mm-hmm. he uh, is familiar with all the players as well. And so you have that familiarity, uh, but you know, he's just not kind of ingratiated enough and maybe showing enough in training to be able to make the 18. And so, I mean, it is what it is. I think for that regard that, yeah. um, you know, you know, he's, Kind of getting some stick from the fans as uh, you know he needs to show a lot more and that should be a motivating factor for sure mm-hmm. but i think you know this also is maybe looking into it a little bit further than um it really is because he also was uh kind of sick the last two weeks before sure, that sure. uh and then now you see him at least you know he took a took part uh you know on the the trip to vancouver and so obviously Frank DeBoer does see enough in him to uh, take him uh, for that trip. Uh, but also this gets us to uh, a guy that, you know, there, there have been some that have compared uh, this and why maybe. So Lagos Kunga has now been loaned to Memphis 901. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a USL side. And he really hadn't got a lot of time at Atlanta, too. No, it's a couple of appearances for the season so far. Yeah. And that's what's uh, difficult is like, yeah, you know, both of them really weren't seeing a ton of time. And I think there was a comparison between a Lagos Kunga and an Andrew Carlton saying that, yeah, like, you know, why was it a Carlton kept when a Kunga? Uh, maybe uh, could have been kept as well. I don't think it's uh, one is exclusive to the other because mm-hmm. Carlton, I think, is a little bit more of a creative playmaker uh, yeah. and midfielder, and versus Lagos Kunga is more of a forward yeah. slash a winger, yeah. um, and is more of a guy that w- is looking to score versus Andrew Carlton looking to create. Yeah. And I think uh, in Andrew Carlton, we need a guy that is kind of uh, more of that creative guy because. Um, you know, we're gonna be missing a lot of guys. That's like, the thing, man. I mean, very we, soon, we're missing a lot of guys. That's we just went through the list. Uh, you know, because yeah. Copa America starts uh, in the middle of that break, but in the knockout stage, it's like we may not have Joseph. Yeah, we, we, may, not, we may not have PT. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Tito also creates uh, quite a bit of chances as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, you need those guys that can create uh, not only their own shot but create for others. And so, uh, yeah, you hope that Andrew Carlton can start to see. A lot more time, and also Lagos Kunga, he gets a lot more time at Memphis already. Already had an assist uh, in the first match that he played, and so uh, hopefully I think, more and more comes. I think you're seeing, uh, ideally, I think you're potentially seeing good player management. I mean, yeah. for Kunga, you know, if it, if it is that the situation exactly, if the situation isn't working right now, then yeah, sure, maybe uh, yeah. alone, not too far away. Exactly. Uh, and then for Carlton, I do think it's encouraging that DeBoer had a thoughtful answer. That uh, you know, when he was asked, he had things that he wanted to say specifically about yeah. Carlton because it's look, you're still in the plans long term. Mm-hmm. It's just that right now, 
he can't be included because the team mm -hmm. until until he gets better and until he can be useful to the team. Mm -hmm. And that's just I mean look at everything. Look at the U twenty squad. You know, yeah. Tal Ramos went with a squad that uh, that has shown in something that was playing. Mm -hmm. Even somebody like uh, Cerillo from Dallas. You yeah, know, like he was not necessarily figured in the plans initially, but he got called up. Right. Yeah, I think also it's guys that are playing a lot more than Andrew Carlton exactly. is, and so it's uh I think he just needs a lot more game time and. Uh, maybe it's a whole different conversation. But uh, moving on, uh, so Atlanta's Gulch project has a new name, uh, the one that's gonna you know kind of start digging into the grounds uh, at in 2020. It's called Centennial Yards. Uh, you know, you let us know what you think of that name in the comments below. But uh, you know, that, the Gulch is where a lot of the Atlanta United fans tailgate, at least the supporters groups do, and where we do our fan cams. And so um, you know. You know, times are gonna be a changing, and it's gonna be uh, very interesting. It's gonna be a very uh, kind of more corporatized type of feel, more live, work, play, and uh, Centennial Yards is the name. But um, yeah, and uh, so moving on uh, real quick on uh, Joseph Martinez and his hairstyle of the week. He's been going with uh, kind of that uh, kind of the roots of uh, just dark haired, right. buzz cut a little bit, and uh, now it's. Um, I would dare say it's a little Cisco-esque. <laughs> uh, it's a little saucy. It's yeah, it's a little saucy. It's uh, some frosty roots. Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. it, it's always great to see what that next haircut's going to be because it just doesn't last for long usually at all. Summer vibes, man. Summer vibes, exactly, man, <laughs> you know. But, um, but anyway, let's move on to Atlanta United 2. And uh, really quickly, Bethlehem Steel and Atlanta United 2 drew 1-1 Sunday night at Talent Energy Stadium. Uh, Lawrence Wyke, uh, the Englishman, uh, scored his first professional goal with team captain Jack Metcalf, uh, you know, pitching in with his first assist of the season. So uh, anyway, that wraps it up for the news and gets us to the mailbag. You guys send in these questions through IG story. Please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future. First question comes from Domi Remian 20. I'm sorry if I butchered that. I don't know any other way to read that. Uh, is there any chance of Assad coming back to ATL? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, I think this is in reference to a lot of people seeing his IG story uh, and also uh, where he's basically watching DC United matches uh, or he's watching other matches uh, across the world uh, and you know not really playing for Villas Sarsfield, uh, his uh, parent club right now. He's not loaned anywhere. He seemingly could help an MLS team. Some people are pining for him to play left back at uh, Atlanta United. Uh, it's just one of those things where, yeah, I think we have to move on from this because his rights are owned by DC United. And if they wanted him, and if we wanted him, we probably would have made the move already. I think he's probably at this point, salary cap space is tight for us. Yeah. He probably is a little bit too expensive. Um, and if you look at Atlanta's like kind of model, if you want to call it that, kind of uh, like, Bringing Almiron in, selling him, bringing yeah. Barco in. You figure the plan eventually is to sell him, maybe PD as well. So I think that Atlanta, if they go out into the transfer market, is going to be for big players. It's going to be usually to re you know until things change to replace an outgoing big player. So yeah. I just I don't see where Assad really figures into the plans at right. this point. We've got a lot of attacking options as well. So uh, yeah, I think you know I think the chances are. Low, yeah. But um, next question comes from Baraka ninety nine. Uh, do you think this month's batch of games will determine how we finish the season? 
I do actually, uh, and even yeah, setting up uh, kind of looking at this season as a whole. Yeah, I always felt like uh, the second half of the season was always going to be where the team could really uh, get into their style. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the full team back at post July seventh. Yeah, uh, and so at that point, I think we should see the best form of the team. So picking up points now is important because, like, let's say. If you're a couple points within, uh, let's say, Supporter Shield or first place in the East yeah. uh, at the break, then you can say, okay, yeah, second half, we can go after that. We yeah. can, uh, we should be up uh, up there. Right. And right now, I mean, right, Atlanta's third. They have games in hand on DC and Philly. Exactly. Theoretically, if they win out, they could be in first. We, yeah, we could go top uh, if, uh, if we do uh, win all the points at hand. And so, yeah, who could have said this five games ago? Uh, and I think uh, that's a testament to Frank de Boer and uh, you know his adjustments and the changing of tactics and also maybe a little bit different personnel and of course also his hand being forced a little bit too because is Echo Barco having to go away? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean it uh, it open up, opens up a lot of more space I think on the pitch for a PT Martinez uh, to operate. But uh, next question comes from Nell Oof. Do you think a good left back would have been a better investment than Justin Miro? Um, not in this case, no. I mean, I think uh, especially with Mikey Ambrose coming back to training, yep. you know, that's like as I as I keep saying, uh, Brecce was never meant to be the full time starting left back, right. and so I think for that for the left back position, what we need more than anything is health. Uh, if you look at uh, who we are potentially missing and already missing, yeah, I think that getting an attacker was actually a smart play. A veteran, somebody who can kind of slot in right away. We've already seen that, yeah. so I think they uh, they did the right thing in picking up Miro. Yeah, because also it's uh yeah. I mean George Bello being out a little bit longer term, no one could have predicted that. Right. We again have that salary cap uh, kind of lack of space, and so it's kind of really you know who are we gonna bring in on that money on you know because also Justin Miram, it was a steal, like a hundred. A hundred thousand in GAM yeah. and a second round 2020 draft pick, super super draft pick, uh, where we pretty much gave away or released our uh, pick this season with uh, you know uh, Amir Bashti. Like yeah, it shows you how much we put value into those draft picks right now. I think you know them tr having to uh, revamp the draft to begin with shows you what type of value that really is. Yeah, especially in the second round. I mean, like exactly. So you know, uh, I think uh, this probably uh, is a low risk, probably a little higher reward than we actually think. Yeah. Next question comes from Candy Gack. The penalty shot. Why doesn't the player who got it? take the shot well i mean every team uh has designated penalty takers and yep. as like as we talked about with joseph joseph is an excellent penalty taker mm -hmm. now you might be thinking oh it's 12 yards like anybody can hit the back of the net not so yeah and it's, uh, you know there's a guy mm -hmm. there standing in front of the net who has <laughs> and, something to do with it right and it's also scenarios and you know it's also uh you know like how how uh you know how Icy cold are they in front of it, especially when maybe uh, it's the first goal that's on the line. You know, exactly. it's like the the opener is so important. You have to have a guy that uh, has the kind of percentage wise the highest to score. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, Joseph Martinez has been the guy that's been taking our penalties. Yeah. Uh, PT Martinez is a person that can as well, sure. but uh, you know, he hasn't been 
the most uh, confident in front of goal just quite yet. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know... I mean, Petey gave sense. his blessing. Yeah. <laughs> he gave his blessing. To exactly. And so, uh, and I think you see that uh, across, you know, as well. It's like, you know, if uh, if LGP won the penalty in the box or something, he's not going to be taking it. It's no. not that every single time. You have the guys who are the designated guys who have the highest percentage of making it. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, Jose Martinez has proven that uh, so a lot. Yes. Uh, next question comes from Terminus United 83. Would Pogba be a possibility at left back? He moved forward well in Vancouver. I, we got this question a lot uh, across uh, all social media, and I think uh, Pogba. I mean, he looked really, really good on the ball. Um, you know, I don't think pace-wise, it's quite there for that. I mean, yes, one could argue that Breck Shea doesn't have the most pace either, but I think even so, he's got a little bit more pace than Florentine Pogba mm-hmm. uh, because Florentine Pogba, he's a big dude. He's I think what like six threes got some. Meat Listen, on him. he moves well. He moves yeah. very well, especially but, for a guy his size, but not left back well. Yeah, left back is uh, is you know he's played that in the past. And I think in a pinch, sure. Yeah. But I think uh, as a guy that you know, um, sure you can maybe put him out there maybe for a, a U.S. Open match if you know you were want to do that. But I think uh, if you're trying to win that match, you probably you know probably shouldn't play a Florentine Pogba at left back, but. Uh, yeah, his distribution was there in terms of the long ball, but we haven't seen a cross from the left at pace, you know, and uh, a, you know trying to beat a man. Like we haven't seen any of that. And then having to run back. Exactly, run back and forth, uh, bombing up and down. It's it's a whole different game, and so. You know, uh, I know we're all trying to find a solution at left back, but uh, I'm not so sure this is it. <laughs> Last question comes from FenderX underscore X. Over these past five games, what do you think of FDB's tactics and game management? I would have to say it's been pretty good. Um, and I, even, I would even like point to last night, for example, experimental lineup. And I think that, I mean, I don't, I'm, I, I assume that they expected to win and wanted to win, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where if they come out of there with a point, yeah, I think, I feel like they would have been positive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there's a certain way they, they approach the match, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, they kept Vancouver at bay. Uh, previous match against Orlando when uh, things got kind of hairy, I think uh, DeBoer made good subs and yeah. did the right thing to help see the team, help the team see the game out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they set up well against Toronto. They set up well against Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that uh, DeBoer has shown his uh, his strengths as a manager, particularly the defensive side. I mean, no. this was uh, part of his reputation, the pragmatism. Mm-hmm. This is what I personally wanted to see. So I'm thrilled to see if this team can hold uh-huh. flash race shutouts. Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely great to see. Uh, yeah, he's generally got his tactics uh, pretty spot on. I think, though, uh, I think I would have loved to see a little bit more rotation uh, here and there, maybe some earlier subs to uh, maybe combat those dead legs that we saw against Orlando City, uh, but also game state also matters as well with some of that, and so maybe he wasn't able to make some of the subs uh, like he wanted to. But I think also against the Sporting Kansas City, yeah, you know, we got the uh, scoreline that we wanted. I mean, maybe earlier on some of the, the substitutes. Sure, uh, yeah. um, you know, you also have the Colorado Rapids match where, I mean, you know, uh, I think tactics-wise, uh, a little bit better, but uh, it was kind of the start of this. Uh, and I think, you know, the performance on the field definitely wasn't there. 
and to really only put one away against uh, a Colorado. Uh, that's not on him, of course, but it is on the team to finish. Um, and I think, you know, uh, against a Sporting Kansas City, we saw a little bit more clinical fish finishing. And so I think, um, you know, that's all part of the performance that's more on the players, of course. Mm -hmm. But I think, uh, yeah, game management has gotten miles better than uh, against a Herediano or <laughs> against a Monterey. Like, yeah, uh, yeah. it's definitely gone a lot uh, a lot smoother in that sense of the, the word. But uh, still, I think, uh, you know, sometimes he still doesn't make all the subs, uh, which is always kind of perplexing. If you're, yeah, see out a match, bring on a sub. Like, uh, you know, makes all the sense. In yeah. I mean, yes, it might change the, the flow in terms of, uh, you know, the players and how the chemistry is, but you know, that's why you maybe bring a guy up top that, uh, if you're up three goals, you know, Romario or, yeah. uh, Dion Pereira or, you know, whoever, you know, move them up top, uh, have them, you know, run around, press a little bit or, uh, you know, just be the outlet something, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, uh, that does it for the mailbag. Thank you guys for sending in those questions. And uh, please continue to do so. And uh, we really might answer your question in the future. So uh, that gets us to the match preview. And it's New York Red Bulls this Sunday at May uh, on May 19th at 5 p.m. Sorry. And uh, it's at Red Bull Arena where it's a place that we have not won yet, even in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, a team that pretty much has our number, uh, except yeah. for that one playoff series. Yeah, that one that one game, really, right? Sure. But, but uh, no, yeah. We uh, the tie, so it's, uh, you know, yeah. we saw out the tie. Yeah, no, yeah. true, 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 true. <laughs> um, no, yeah, it's uh, some regular season successes in yeah. order. Yeah, and... definitely for sure. Uh, because, yeah, our uh, at least, you know, our previous matchups against them, um, you know, get into that. Of course, there was that 2-1 loss in our inaugural match. Uh, there was that 0-0 draw away at Red Bull Arena at the end of the season. That was kind of a slog. Yeah. Uh, and then in 2018, you have that 3-1 loss, you know, away. At, no, that was the best. Oh, at home, yeah. rather. And, um, yeah, where, you know, Greg Garza comes off and uh, injures himself and yeah. kind of this... this Weird match where Donington Nagby could have gotten a goal and um, yeah. Joseph Martinez. Uh, I think that was the start of the uh, maligning of him from people because, oh, he's always offside or whatever. Yeah. Uh, he's lazy, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, yeah, then there was that 2 0 loss away, uh, you know, to uh, near the end of the season that was perplexing from Tato Martino yep. at the very least. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We'll get into that, but yes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and and so yeah, and in the playoff, uh, the playoff tie that we uh, we played against them, we had that satisfying three 0 win against them that pretty much put the uh, series away. Because uh, even though we lost one nil against them, uh, in, you know, in the return leg, yeah, we uh, we move on to the MLS Cup. So it's you know it's something that yeah we need to get out the snide. Like, yeah, you know, we haven't scored a goal in Jersey yet. So, yeah. yeah, there's only two clubs that we really haven't beat in the regular season. This being one of them, this needs to be that team. Yes, this needs to be the time I think. But it's uh, you know at the same time it's going to be tough. They've won 
three or four. Yeah. Uh, they have not played, or uh, coming Sunday, they will have not played in a week. Yeah. And uh, so they're much more rested than we are. Not only that, they rotated ten of eleven. Yeah. Against Dallas, credit to them. Uh, yeah. But there, they're going to be super fresh, and Atlanta yeah. is going to be coming from a cross country trip. So. Exactly. <laughs> and of course, yeah, we've won uh, five of our last six. Uh, five straight consecutive clean sheets, of course. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, New York Red Bulls, they're uh, somewhat of a known quantity at this time. Uh, you know, they're a team that likes to press. Uh, they're a team that uh, will attack down the wings uh, at pace, very direct. Um, set pieces, super dangerous. Um, you know, aerially, they are some of the best uh, in MLS. Uh, they have some big dudes. With some meaty foreheads. They have some nice routines too. Yeah, exactly. They have uh, yeah training ground routines that are uh, yeah pretty dangerous, and you know we're not the best at defending them for sure. Uh, but I think uh, there are some areas that we can attack them. Uh, but it's also you know we know that they're going to rotate a lot. We don't know what their 11 is really going to look like. They change it a ton, a lot. Uh, Chris Armas, yes, he did. Uh, you know, their head coach did blow it last season uh, in, uh, you know, the tactics that he <sighs> played against us. Uh, he tried to possess a little bit more. It was interesting. Well, um, he, he didn't press, which is And that as well. Yeah. yeah, and so that's, you know, going against their bread and butter. But, uh, I mean, that's kind of, you know, I think you have to see them press in this match, I right? Think, yeah, Because, I mean, if he's going to try to... Uh, play it out a little bit more, or you know, not press. That couple, that just goes right into our hands. I know. I think what not pressing does for Atlanta is just gives them time on the ball, which I I would not recommend that as a tactic yeah. against Atlanta. Yeah. Sometimes it, it works if uh, we're just really stagnant and we're only passing it side to side. Yeah. But uh, in which case, maybe in this uh, this season because of how we've performed when we've just possessed a ton yeah. and not done a whole lot with it. Uh, but, you know, I think uh, against this side, um, you know, there's some areas that we can really attack, and it's definitely with some through balls, uh, maybe with some, you know, some key players that uh, are a little bit more rested for this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so Gressel comes back in, and Miles comes back in, you think. And yeah, I mean, it's funny because I, uh -huh. I, I was caught off guard uh, uh -huh. with Gressel being on the bench because I was saying, you know, He's so indispensable, like he can't, uh, he can't ever rest, and then he gets rest, so that's great that yeah. he's gonna be there. Yeah, um, I mean, he did come in later on, and yeah, he he, uh, he took that little shot to the stomach. Yeah, uh, which weird. also the uh, TSN announcers were ragging on him, and then they realized, oh, okay, yeah, they uh, <laughs> might actually. Oh, wait, maybe, maybe. <laughs> might actually be a little bit contact. A non did something, right? Yeah, you but know. um, yeah. yeah, and so uh, yeah, I think more so at Tito Vijalba. Uh, comes in with uh, you know his ability to play that through ball, his ability to run in behind, yeah. all very very key uh, aspects in really breaking down this team. Yeah, I but, mean, so going back to the uh, the matchup last September mm -hmm. versus uh, Rebels, I mean, yeah. like those were uh, Atlanta Rebels were the two best teams in the league last year. Yeah, that was a decisive match in for the sportship, you yeah. know. And uh, if Atlanta had just gotten a result. They would have, uh, they would have gotten the support shield, but uh, yeah, the, the the approach was confusing. I mean, uh, they kind of lined up in one. I guess you'd call it five three two. Mm -hmm. Tried to possess in the back a little bit, right? And uh, Red Bulls just pressed the hell out of Atlanta, and uh -huh. Atlanta really couldn't get much of much going. Uh -huh. uh, the one 
they did try to go over the top a couple of times, uh-huh. right? To the forwards. My issue and, with that is... Well, yeah, that could have been where, uh, that's, with better finishing with uh, Miguel Miron and Tito Vijalbo, we probably, uh, you know, would have uh, seen a different result. But, but, you know, finishing, again, is part of the performance. They didn't finish it. So. And, well, it's that too. And then, uh, you know, it's just when it's, you, you have two up top, right? Mm-hmm. And you, you're going over the top. You have the defense back there. The defense has the numbers. And I think yeah. that was part of the issue there is... Every, every the few times they try to go over the top, they were cleaned up by rebels pretty easily, right. and uh, they we weren't we were just never able to right. possess so, like yeah. dangerously. So lo- long story short, there is that um, we probably should not play like that. No, absolutely not. Uh, we should not. definitely play uh, just uh, not only a little bit more pragmatic. Uh, no like, possession in the back, really. For yeah, me. Like, exactly. The, just kick it long. Just kick it long. Yeah, it's uh, it. Would be very interesting to see if Frank de Boer would okay this tactic, yeah. because uh, yeah, I mean, and maybe maybe we do try to see if we can play around them, and you know maybe see if uh, the Frank de Boer system is up to snuff. This is a massive test. I mean, you know, uh, one of my, I've criticized de Boer this season uh, for maybe adjusting too much to the opponent. Yeah. I think in this case though, you have to with. Red Bulls are formidable, yeah. and with ha- with them having such a distinct playing style, which yeah. is just to press all out, really and truly. Yeah. So I think that uh, a different approach is in order, mm-hmm. and there are ways to exploit what Red Bulls do. Yeah, that's my thing. You know, so you know, I we'll get into how we line up, and you know. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in terms of yeah, let's get into some match facts. Yeah. So uh, Atlanta United uh, in the last ten of twelve games have scored. Uh, where there have been under two and a half goals scored in all of those matches, or in 10 of those 12 matches. Uh, they have kept a clean sheet, of course, in five. Uh, so that will be interesting if we can continue that. And uh, LA United have been winning at both halftime and full-time in their last four matches. So, uh, you know, that, that bodes well for us, but it's coming into a team that's um yeah i mean we need to score first probably at all costs really because <laughs> if they score first then we are in for a slog fest where they're just not gonna let us have the ball um no. and our chances probably to score will be uh yeah it will just have to be found through the long ball or ball at the top or something something yeah. but yeah. um yeah i think yeah so the keys to this match is how much rotation still because uh, some guys were rotated. Now, who's going to be rotated instead of that? Or, you know, is it just going to be the guys who are rotated? Come in. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Uh, can Atlanta United keep another clean sheet? Uh, I think that is going to be uh, what's going to be really difficult here. Yeah. I mean, two, two pretty elite defenses, I think, in that sense, yeah. uh, will be going up against each other. So, you know, maybe there won't be a lot of goals scored, but... Uh, I think the commentator's curse is probably going to uh, rear its head here, and <laughs> it's going to be a 4-4 match. Right, yeah. yeah but, uh, I don't want us to be happy about that. Exactly. And uh, and it's also, yeah, so the other part of it is how will New York Rebels look to attack us? Yeah. Uh, you know, will it just be through the press, or will they try to uh, create some chances through combination play or, you know, 
that's the thing. It's like that's not really their forte. So I think you know another another all more reason to just kick it long and force them to create because right. they haven't proven they can actually do that. Right. And yeah, with that heavily heavily rotated sides that they uh, usually go through, they have played some four two three one, but they've also played some five four ones, and so uh, they are want to kind of change up the uh, the shape at least and. Uh, so some guys to watch for the uh, the New York Red Bulls. Yeah, you have Mark Razakowski, who's uh, got one goal and one assist so far. I mean, yeah, mind you, they are uh, not in the best of places in the table right now still, but they have come into four. So there is that. But mm -hmm. uh, the Razakowski guy uh, is a guy that is one of their uh, key players that uh, can play that final ball. Um, he's a guy that... You know, is a good set piece guy, and you know, on the on the counter, he's one of the more dangerous guys. Uh, Daniel Royer, of course, their midfielder, uh, another attacking midfielder, uh, has two goals and three assists. So he's been their guy that's kind of their leading scorer or tied for leading scorer, and guy that can you know create the most uh, chances to be finished so far. Uh, and uh, you know, it's between uh, yeah, BWP and Brian White recently in terms of their forward options and Brian White has been uh, you know their guy up top because uh, yeah I mean you have uh, kind of Bradley Wright uh, kind of questionable with a groin injury lately and so we don't know if he's going to play mm -hmm. that's gonna be very interesting um, he didn't play in September and it didn't matter so yeah exactly and so uh, you know you have uh, Aaron Long of course uh, but he is a guy that's also questionable with a hamstring injury so is it an Amro Tarek and a Tim Parker uh, you know as their kind of central defenders we'll see uh, but yeah if it is Aaron Long coming back in and Tim Parker I mean that is one of the best uh, central defensive combos uh, in the league last year, if not the best. Right, yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah, and so another big part of that is is if Kaku is able to play. Of course, he had that incident in SKC, which was uh, very uh, ill-advised, <laughs> to say the least, yeah. uh, kicking the ball right into a fan at point-blank range. Um, he served that suspension. Whether he's been playing, he hasn't been playing, actually. Uh, so it's, it's yeah, it's kind of a weird season because he had that whole blow up on Twitter, or yeah, he wanted to leave. Yeah, the agent was you know getting involved and all that, and so, yeah, it's been. I mean, and you know, going back to creativity, they probably turned the Kaku normally, so it's uh, yeah. just adding on to the problems mm -hmm. for, uh, for them. Yeah, and yeah, New York Red Bulls have. Uh, I mean, last season kind of Kaku kind of fell off a cliff a little bit in terms of his assists and his contributions in the final third, yeah. and uh, and so you know what. Are they really uh, gonna get going forward? That's been their problem, um, you know. And then uh, if you don't score and you know you're conceding a little bit, that's why they're in the place that they are, I think. But uh, they are seemingly turning it around. Now uh, let's get to our injury report. And of course, George Bellow is still out long term. Kevin Kratz has been back in training, uh, but I, you know, still uh, Frank DeBoer has said he's probably uh, now. About a week and a half away, uh, Nagby and Parky come back in, so that's fantastic. Uh, and there are no reported injuries from the Vancouver Whitecaps match, so that gets us to our predicted eleven. Let's uh, kind of get through the lines together. Mm -hmm. uh, so between the six, obviously, obviously, Braguzan. Uh, if they sit a guy that, I mean, yes, 
he had one really uh, chance to to save last match. But other than that, yeah, I mean, you know, still five consecutive clean sheets. Yeah, I mean, you know, same. Yeah. Um, you know, and so going through, uh, so Escobar, yeah, I mean. Escobar probably needs a rest at some point, but I don't think it's this one. So. No, <laughs> unfortunately, you need him. It's just so tough. It's yeah. like I guess he he's got to get a rest uh, maybe this upcoming week. At least he didn't play early on. I mean, like the fixtures are building up, right? But you know, yeah. hopefully it's, he's still somewhat fresh. Exactly. But LGP too. Yeah, LGP too as well. Uh, yeah, I would hope maybe LGP uh, comes off uh, and uh, you know gets a little bit of a rest this match. But I mean, you know, if he doesn't. So be it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so Escobar on the right, Robinson comes back in, LGP, and uh, left back. Who's your left back? Uh, Parkhurst. I mean, he yeah. didn't travel to Vancouver, I think, for a reason. Yeah. You know, I think he was saved specifically for the Red Bulls match. Yeah. So, um, and I think he would have a big part of how we set up. So, yeah. But yeah. And I think, yeah, he's, you know, he's played in those matches. He knows how well they press. He is good on the ball. Yeah. Uh, and he is. Uh, still resolute enough, uh, you know, on the left to be able to stop what attacks they may have, um, hopefully. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I just hope they're they're not gonna like gang up on his side. And I, know. Uh, I can see I, them. You know, I can it, see them doing it. You could, you could. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, he's not put in difficult positions, yeah. and you know, he, he can pass along. So yeah. if he has a second to like look cross field, that could actually work out really well for Atlanta. That's yeah, true. So uh, yeah, let's get into the midfield then. I think uh, some differences for both of us. I think yeah. uh, Nagby, of course, comes back in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're going to need his possession and his ball ability. And just overall work rate. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, uh, yeah. He's a guy that, yeah, they were. he was probably saved for this match. Mm -hmm. uh, for me, I think it's Rometty comes back or stays in. Mm -hmm. uh, and, um, yeah, kind of offers that little bit more mobility uh, for that uh, because... Yeah, if they're gonna be pressing him, you know, you need a guy that's gonna be able to at least skirt a tackle or two, uh, and he's been shown that he's been able to do that once or twice. Yeah, for me, it's uh, Lorenowitz, and so we talked about uh, bypassing midfield play, going long. I think that Lorenowitz could be very useful in that regard, helping them win headers. I also think he's uh, his distribution is very good, so having him in the middle of the field. Uh, almost as like kind of an outlet, uh, yeah, you know, somebody sure. uh, a safe pass, if you uh -huh, will. Sure. Um, and yeah, I just think, and again, his experience in these in this type of game. Right. Um, so yeah, I think Lorenowitz would be, and yeah, Nagby. Yeah. Nagby. For sure, for sure. And uh, I think we're in agreement here for the uh, the next uh, lines is that uh, Gressel plays on the right, comes back in. Mm -hmm. PT is in the ten position. And uh, Tito Vijalba is on the left, and um, yeah, Joseph up top, of course. Yeah. And so, yeah, the tactic is is yeah, play it long if necessary. Uh, we'll try to pass around and uh, you know uh, get some comb combination play, and you know uh, maybe you know where Joseph can hold up the ball a little bit. But I mean that press is going to be hot and heavy, and it's going to be uh, very difficult. So. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're going to have to see kind of a dynamic, uh, you know, uh, dynamic play kind of, uh, to kind of skirt whatever they might throw at us and, you know, sometimes play it long, 
play it, uh, you know, play it through them if they're going to, and you know, try to play between the lines if they are giving that to us. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's gonna be difficult. My thing, so you know, going back to what uh, what we talked about before about how Atlanta played last season, mm. you know. It, I th what I like about this lineup that we predicted is that yeah. you have more forwards on there. Yeah. So when you go long and it's like three, mm -hmm. three or four forwards uh -huh. versus the defense, and right. that puts them in one-on-one -on -one situations, that's favorable for the attack. Yeah. You know, and if Atlanta can win the second ball in that situation, mm -hmm. Nagmi Lorenowitz get on the ball, mm -hmm. win the ball in midfield, and, all, and your whole attack in front of you, yep. that could be a very favorable situation for Atlanta. You yep. mentioned that uh, Rebels are not very good at defending through balls. Mm -hmm. So if like PD or Nagby can get on the ball and yeah. see those passes. Yeah, or even uh, Afranco Escobar, who wasn't really part of that 2-0 uh, loss against them. Kind of confusingly, in my opinion, but yeah. yeah. And so I think you, you have that type of aspect where, um, you know, it's you know a guy that can come in uh, and maybe might be the difference because he's been that outlet on the the right for us as well and then so if we have that on the right you know Tito on the left um, you know whoever wants to swing it uh, one way or the other it might work out yeah who knows yeah. but um, yeah so getting into the odds for this match Atlanta is uh, pinned at nine to five to win and that's a 35.71 percent uh, to draw, this is a 12 to 5 or a 29.41%. And for Red Bulls to win, it is a whopping 7 to 5 or a 41.7% chance to win. So they uh, they kind of have they kind of have the advantage here, I think. Yeah. Uh, although it is uh, somewhat a little bit more uh, you know equal. I think our form, at least in terms of wins, is better, but. Uh, I think, you know, Rebels at home and historically, they've just taken care of us in the regular season. So, yeah. that gets us to our score prediction. What do you think is going to happen? Uh, I got 2-2 two -two on here. I think that uh, the game is going to be interesting, to say the least. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think Atlanta is going to be up against it, you know, yeah. in terms of, uh, you know, Red Bulls coming in very fresh, probably very motivated, especially considering the last time we... These teams played within the Eastern yeah. Conference final. Uh -huh. So, uh, yeah, I think, I just think uh, it, it might start off slow, but I think that this game is going to be kind of crazy, honestly. It's just yep. going to be open. Um, and, you know, these teams are going to be pushing each other. So I, I foresee a 2 2. Okay. Uh, I think for me, uh, because of the kind of uh, the fatigue for sure that we're uh, going to be suffering from, uh, and then plus uh, New York Red Bulls just probably how fresh they are, but I think with that, you also have uh, maybe some unfamiliarity because of some of the guys coming in. Uh, yeah, I think it's gonna be a 1-1 one, one draw. Uh, kind of hopefully, uh, I'm hoping that of course we win, but it's, you know, being realistic here, uh, with how few goals are scored in our matches and against Red Bulls, I, I just don't think that, uh, you know, that many goals are at hand in this. But if we get anything more out of this match, fantastic. I uh, <laughs> would love that. And uh, because, yeah, we absolutely need a win against the Red Bulls in the regular season. Yes. But that does it for the match preview. And that gets us to the question of the day. What do we got? So now that Petey Martinez has scored, finally, how many goals and assists do you think he'll finish the season with? Drop down in the comments. Let us know. Tweet at us. However you communicate with us. Let yeah. us know. We're, uh, we're looking forward to what you have to say about that. 
But that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already, share this episode, and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Mark, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening.